Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the political row that just won't go away. The government has been playing a ridiculous game with the public's trust, not only by the foul play in last week's vote, but also by a string of corrupt dealings over the past two years. If the team captain gets it wrong, then I think he should come and apologise to the public and to this House. That's the right thing to do uh, in terms of demonstrating leadership. With accusations of sleaze hanging over the government, their poll ratings have already been hit. The Prime Minister has refused to apologise for his handling of the affair, but it's clear many of his backbenchers haven't forgiven or forgotten. Lots of MPs are now thinking, hang on a minute, why should I bother voting for things that I think might end up U-turning in the next 24 hours or so? So that's certainly a challenge on the Conservative side. So how did we get here? We look back at the latest scandal and also to the 1990s, when the Tories were last tarred with being the party of sleaze. Did you ever ask for a, an envelope of uh, £50 notes, Mr Hamilton? Of course I did. There's a preposterous allegation and it's totally uncorroborated. Are you saying it's a lie? I'm saying it's a lie. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today... The return of Tory sleaze, Owen Paterson and the lobbying rules. It proved to be the most controversial vote of the year. I went into Parliament on Wednesday and I went straight up to the press gallery of the House of Commons because there was going to be a vote, firstly, on Owen Paterson, the MP who is accused of breaching lobbying rules repeatedly, and then also on the entire system that got him to that place and whether that was fit for purpose. As Charlotte Ivers, the Times Radio political correspondent, took her seat, the stage was set for high political drama. It really was one of the most remarkable atmospheres that I've experienced in the House of Commons chamber. And bear in mind, I've sat through some very bizarre votes in my time in Parliament. If a week is a long time in politics, the twists and turns of the next 24 hours would be enough to give seasoned political watchers whiplash. (laughs) 
I took my usual seat there, which allowed me to look at the opposition benches and they were all hugely stony faced and really, really unimpressed by what they were seeing. There are occasional bits of heckling that took place and they had to be told to be quiet by the speaker, Lindsay Hoyle. But then after a few minutes, I realised I was basically in the wrong place and what I should have done is gone to sit on the other side where I could see the Conservative MPs because their faces were definitely the ones that were more interesting so I got up went to sit on the other side and sure enough it was quite remarkable the sight looking down you had Jacob Rees-Mogg the leader of the House of Commons sitting right at the front he's the man giving the initial statement Andrea Ledson the former leader of the House of Commons she's the one who's put forward the amendment which will save Owen Paterson at least temporarily And then just a few rows behind her, Owen Paterson himself. And his face throughout was really remarkable. What an experience to be Owen Paterson on that day and just hear all of these different people talking about you and what you're alleged to have done and throwing doubt on your credibility, on your honesty, really. My right honourable friend. Mr Owen Patterson. The right honourable member for North Shropshire. Mr Patterson. The right honourable member for North Shropshire. When an MP is found guilty of breaking the rules, the rest of Parliament has to vote on whether they agree with the punishment doled out to the MP. In this case, a 30-day suspension. Normally, this would be a vote of conscience. MPs don't have to vote with their party when it comes to upholding standards. Normally. But this case was very different. Boris Johnson had made it known that he wanted to take a maximalist approach to protecting Owen Paterson. So Andrea Leadsom brought forward an amendment which would cancel Owen Paterson's suspension by dismantling the body that upholds parliamentary standards instead. The Tory whips were heavy-handed, with reports of Conservative backbenchers being told they'd lose funding for their constituencies if they didn't vote for the amendment and to support Owen Paterson. So as they gathered on the benches around him, a number of Tory MPs were seething. Owen Paterson sat there with his face completely set. He looked slightly upset, but more than that, he just looked completely stony-faced and he would not move a muscle. Around him, you had all of his friends, really, a lot of MPs who have served with him for decades in some cases, and they were the ones who were intervening and heckling and trying to defend him, but not a single word from Paterson himself. Some 17 individuals have come forward saying that they wish to give oral evidence and it was refused. There must be justice. A colleague texted me today to say, and I quote, achieving change in this place is tough, but today's amendment could lead to a standard system that is fairer for all. Then as well, a lot of the other MPs on the Conservative benches were some of the younger ones, some of the ones who perhaps were for the first time about to vote away that made them uncomfortable. And you saw a lot of young faces on the Conservative benches looking a bit concerned about what was happening next. The debate began with a statement from Jacob Rees-Mogg, leader of the House of Commons. Mr Speaker, today I come not to defend my right old friend, the member for North Shropshire, but to consider the process by which he has been tried. It is not for me to judge him. Others have done that. But was the process a fair one?
And actually, I then went out and spoke to pretty much any MP who came up for a chat. And every single one of them, really, I'm trying to think, maybe there are a couple who are a bit more sanguine about it, said to me they felt that today was a day that was bringing Parliament into disrepute. They were already planning to open their emails the next day and see furious constituents saying they weren't happy with what had happened. Describe that moment. Describe the moment in the the chamber when the, the vote was announced. Order! Order. The eyes to the right, 250. The nose to the left, 232. When that vote came, you had cries from the Labour benches, from the SNP benches as well, of shame. And one MP shouted something, presumably at Rees Mogg, but I think at the Conservative benches in general. Order. What have you done to this place? What have you done to this place? A real, real sense from those benches that they just felt that Parliament had been undermined. And meanwhile, on the Conservative benches, Owen Paterson, he again kept his face very, very still, very, very calm and still continued to just keep that stony face expression that he'd had throughout, really. Talk us through, overnight, the reaction from the opposition, from the media, from social media. How did it go down? In no other profession in our country could someone be found guilty by an independent process and just have their mates vote them back into the job. The issue in this case is whether a member of this House had a fair opportunity to make representations in this case or whether as a ma- and whether as a matter of nat- natural justice our procedures in this House allow for proper appeal. There were various different backlashes and I think some of them had more of an impact than others. So you had the backlash from the media and the public, front pages on a lot of the newspapers essentially talking about a return to sleaze. Let's see what's on some of those front pages. The Guardian writes, PM accused of corruption as rules on sleaze torn up. The sleazy way out reads the front of the Metro as MP Owen Paterson avoids suspension. The eye also leads with the former minister caught lobbying for companies paying him £100,000 a year. There's essentially a lot of talk about a return to 1990s style sleaze, which obviously was a major contributing factor in the downfall of the major government. And then MPs receiving emails asking them why they had voted in the way they did. You even saw at the more extreme end, one MP's office had Tory sleaze written across the front of it, an act of vandalism. But obviously that's the extreme end. You also just saw what you'd expect to see, emails flooding in to MPs' inboxes from people who weren't happy. Then there was the discontent of Conservative MPs themselves and an awful lot of MPs were walking around Parliament looking very, very miserable about what it is they had just done and actually were fairly happy to talk about the fact that they probably, if they had been allowed to vote on conscience, which is usually how those votes go, would absolutely not have voted the way that they ended up doing. But there was a lot of arm twisting from the Conservative whips. In the meantime, though, for... Certainly one minister. There were interviews to be done on the nighttime news, on the morning breakfast shows. Talk us through that. I mean, what was it like for you as a a political journalist listening to those interviews? Well, Kwasi Kwarteng, the business minister, was lucky or unlucky subject of interviews on the broadcast media. And he very strongly stuck to the government's line that... The vote yesterday was about, was trying to bring back uh, or bring a sense of fairness, a right of appeal 
which Owen Paterson didn't have. Essentially saying that it was important that this process went ahead. But the process was stuck. No other political party would support the changes proposed by Andrea Leadsom, and within hours, just as Kwasi Kwarteng had finished the morning media round, the leader of the House, Jacob Rees-Mogg, was conducting a rapid reverse ferret. It is a matter of regret that there was no cross-party agreement uh, yesterday, but obviously a committee cannot a committee cannot work effectively without opposition members on it, and that I think was absolutely clear from from what I said. I did have someone say, surely Downing Street will have known what they were going to do when they sent Kwasi Kwarteng out. That must have been on the cards. I mean, that's a terrible gig. It was sort of the end of what can only be described as the most remarkable 24 hours in Westminster. The government seemed in such a belligerent and firm position that this was the right thing to do and they really had thrown everything at it. And then you had this U-turn, which in retrospect makes a lot of sense because I don't think it would have been possible for them to go ahead with that committee in the form that it would take given the SNP and Labour wouldn't participate in it. But at the time, it did seem quite remarkable to expend quite so much political capital on something that actually then fell completely apart. I texted a couple of Conservative MPs to ask what they thought of the fact that they had had to row in behind this policy, receive all this criticism from their constituents, vote in a way that they didn't want to vote really, but kind of decided that they would do against their better judgment. And one just replied saying, I'm literally so angry, I don't have any words. That's the mood really on the Conservative benches. As the government was announcing its dramatic U-turn, Owen Paterson was shopping in a supermarket. Kwasi Kwarteng wasn't the only Tory they'd forgotten to inform about their plans. Owen Paterson found out when a journalist rang him. He immediately announced he'd be resigning as an MP, saying he'd remain a public servant, but outside the cruel world of politics. Even by Westminster standards, this was a remarkable 24 hours. But how did it all begin? What had Owen Paterson done that caused such a furore? Well, in this case, Owen Paterson was being accused of breaking the rules on lobbying for members of parliament. So he had taken money from two companies, Randox, which is a medical company, and Lynn's Country Foods. And that had added up to about £112,000 a year that he received. A considerable sum. A considerable sum and just over 30 grand more than he got for being a member of parliament. And the allegations made against him and the findings by the inquiry into him were that he made three approaches to the Food Standards Agency, seven approaches on behalf of Lynn's Country Foods, and then four appointments as well with international development ministers on behalf of Randox. And it's said that he, at those meetings, said that th things that would benefit his paymasters. Now, on top of that as well, he held 16 business meetings in his House of Commons office that were on behalf of one of these two clients. And then as well, on top of that, he sent two letters on Commons-headed letter paper, which MPs aren't allowed to do for outside interests. On top of that, he also sent four emails to officials at the Food Standards Agency where he didn't declare that he was being paid by either of these companies. So a long list of different infractions which took place over a number of months and years. And Charlotte, what exactly are the rules? Because we know that some MPs do have second jobs. We know that they are paid by companies. 
What is it exactly that you are allowed to do and what did he do wrong? MPs are allowed to have what's called outside interest. They are allowed to receive money from other companies. However, that has to be declared. And the allegation is that Patterson did not declare in these instances what he was doing and who he was being paid by. And that is the real crux of the matter. He maintains that regardless of whether or not he was being paid by these companies, he would have raised issues which he says were linked to public Mm. health, public safety. He told Sky News, for example. As a result of those efforts, British milk is now safer. And we did it without disrupting the dairy industry that he believes the United Kingdom is safer as a result of what he had done. Now, this is dismissed by the Standards Committee. They say if he had been concerned about public safety, he had any number of options. He could have written in the newspapers. He could have come on broadcast media to talk about it. He didn't do any of those things. And the chair of the committee said he did the one thing that he was not allowed to do, and that was call for meetings with ministers. So the lobbying, really, on behalf of the companies he's being paid by. Which he denies, absolutely. He says that he would have raised these concerns whether or not he was being paid. Some people would say that the better way to behave would be to accept the punishment, the 30-day suspension, and then get MPs to look at the system again. Well, that was the government's decision to go ahead this way. I mean, they were quite right when they looked at my case to see just how bad it was. I mean... I have brought serious wrongs to the attention of government agencies. You're not at all worried uh, about how it will look to the general public, that you change the rules retrospectively? Uh, Well, if it's portrayed as that, that's the parody, that will look bad. But that is not actually what's happened. What's happened is we have a chance to build a new system where evidence is exchanged, where witnesses are properly interrogated. So what is the current system of upholding standards that Owen Patterson was so keen to replace? And why does this scandal have such a strong whiff of the 90s about it? We'll have more in just a moment. But first... I'm Henry Zeffman, Chief Political Correspondent of The Times. It's you, listeners and subscribers, who enable me to report on what's going on in the corridors of power in Whitehall and Westminster. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Owen Paterson may have resigned, but what became clear in a heated debate in Parliament yesterday was that questions about how standards are policed will continue to be asked. So what is the current process? What happens when an MP is accused of breaking the rules? Well, it's a fairly long process. So it starts with the Standards Commissioner and she is an independent employee of Parliament who looks into what they've done. And essentially the MP gets the opportunity to produce their own evidence. The Standards Commissioner will get statements from other interested parties and witnesses, will make an assessment, will send it back to the MP who will get another chance to make any comments. And then the Standards Commissioner will make a judgment on what happened. Once that has happened, the inquiry, the judgment is passed on to the Committee on Standards. Now, that is a committee of members of Parliament and they Mm. look at all of that evidence and they assess whether or not they think the report is accurate. In this case, they agreed the report was accurate. Then after that, after the Standards Committee have said that there should be this punishment put in place, the assessment goes to the whole House of Commons. The committee had decided to suspend Owen Paterson for 30 days, but his friends feared the move could have led to a recall petition in his constituency, which would have put him in danger of losing his seat as an MP. The vote was meant to be a vote on whether or not the findings of the committee should be imposed on Owen Paterson. Instead, we then saw an amendment being put down by a Tory backbencher and the government throwing their weight behind that amendment. But in theory, in the simple passage of it, what should have happened is there should have been just a vote on that assessment by the committee. And tell us about the amendment. What exactly was it calling for? Well, this amendment was put down by Andrea Leadsom, former leader of the House of Commons. And essentially, the amendment said that the Punishment for Owen Paterson should be suspended and in the meantime there should be an investigation into the processes which led to that punishment and there should be an inquiry set up by a further committee of members of parliament which would have a conservative majority but would also have Labour and SNP members on it Hmm. which would assess whether the process which judges MPs who have been accused of wrongdoing is fit for purpose. Wow, so sort of monitoring the monitors effectively. Exactly. And this was the concern put forward by the chair of the current standards committee. He said, we already have a committee which does this. It already exists. I don't see why we need another one. And Charlotte, all of this is quite ironic because, you know, the standards he's accused of breaking effectively were many of them were sort of brought in as a result of the 1990s sleaze scandals that hit the major government back then. And, you know, that's why everybody's suddenly referring to it now. It does feel like things are coming almost full circle. Talk us through that era. You know, it does feel like a long time ago now, but talk us through sort of what happened in the 90s and how we got to having these standards. Cash for questions, a 90s scandal that trashed reputations and ended careers and led to new rules binding politicians so that MPs work for the public and not for private cash. Well, there's a long and inglorious history of MPs breaching these sorts of standards and creating problems for the 
government of the day and of parliament. But you're right to absolutely flag the cash for questions scandal in the mid-1990s. The scandal first came to light through a Sunday Times Insight investigation and the current Insight editor, Jonathan Calvert, was part of the team who broke the story. I had joined Insight at the Sunday Times about six months earlier and our editor at the time had been told by Mohammed Al-Fayed, the owner of Harrods, that uh, you could hire an MP like you hired a a taxi. But at the time, Mohammed Al-Fayed wouldn't say which MPs he had done this with. We did a lot of work on it. We trawled through all sorts of registers, tried to find the links with Fired and the MPs, etc. And in the end, one of my colleagues had the idea that what we should do is do an undercover exercise where uh, we approach certain MPs with a question. And I was delegated to go into the House of Commons and meet these MPs. <laughs> new boy. Yeah, the new boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As a, a, a small investor who needed information from, say, the Department of Health, and the only way I could get it was from a parliamentary question. And I'd say to them, and it's worth a £1,000 to me, and I'd pay them the cheque there and then. So the questions were slightly ridiculous because we made them anagrams of insight. So, for example, there was a <laughs> drug which was called Sigfin, which was something that I needed to know information about health. Um, and it was one of those stories, I, I don't think we were quite really understood just how seismic the story would be but when we wrote it that weekend and all our colleagues were on the Saturday afternoon before it was published were coming up to and saying god that's extraordinary really you can pay an MP a thousand pounds to ask a question in, in the house and it was a massive story at the time Remind us a bit about the reaction. There was horror. It was at the time of John Major's government when there was a lot of these allegations. A lot of them had been about kind of sexual impropriety of MPs because he'd had this back to basics campaign. And then several of his his MPs were exposed in the, the tabloid press. The atmosphere at that time was very much that in the late 80s, there'd been this kind of explosion of the number of Conservative MPs. It felt a little bit like it is now, because the the government had been in power for quite a long time by that time. And there was a kind of, it felt like there was an arrogance that they could do anything that they liked. And the idea that you, you as an MP could just simply make money out of doing something that you should be doing as a proper job for your constituents in Parliament, I think many people found horrendous. And it was a scandal that was then to absolutely dog the major government just as the new Labour of Tony Blair was rising up. And it, it was quite a, a defining moment, I think, in, in the end of John Major's premiership and also the end of the, the Conservatives. It did sort of lead to a reckoning, didn't it? Sort of a moment where they had to change the way people were were expected to behave. Well, exactly. And after our story, Mohammed Al-Fayed went to the editor of The Guardian and he told them who the MPs were. He was Neil Hamilton and Tim Smith. Did you ever ask for an envelope of uh, £50 notes, Mr Hamilton? Of course I didn't. There's a preposterous allegation and it's totally uncorroborated. Are you saying it's a lie? I'm saying it's a lie and they were forced to resign as a result. And this whole cash for questions thing had become an, an issue that, that really was undermining the major government. So he decided to set up the Committee of Standards on Public Life. And as a result of that, we now have the, the seven principles of public life, which are now a kind of benchmark that, that all 
MPs and public officials are judged against. And they talk about things such as honesty and, and transparency and, and working for the general good, not for personal gain. And that was quite a huge change in, the kind of, in our public life and has been very useful over the years in upholding standards and giving us a standard to judge politicians and civil servants by. And some of that now looks like it's being reassessed, some of it is under threat. And we even had John Major, figure from the 90s and from that period, coming out over the weekend condemning the current government for the way it's handled uh, a lot of this. I'm concerned at how the government is behaving. I suspect lots of other people are as well. And it seems to me, as a lifelong Conservative, that much of what they're doing is very unconservative in its behaviour. What did you make of that? I thought it was quite extraordinary, the uh, intervention of John Major on Saturday. I, I listened to it, and he was so, so critical of his own party. And he was also quite reflective, because he was asked, you know, how could he talk about these things when, in fact, he'd run a government that was uh, bedeviled by sleaze at the end of its term? And his response to that was... There was no excuse for that. A small number of MPs were paid for asking parliamentary questions. It was a form of paid lobbying and completely unacceptable. But here is the difference. When that happened, I set up the Nolan Committee on Standards in Public Life to stop it, which has been a huge success. And that is why I think having set up that committee, having understood that the practices that were going on within his own party were, were wrong, he's now able to say with such clarity and such strength that he feels that the whole Owen Patterson thing has shown his party to be very, very sleazy. The cash for question scandal was a watershed moment for Westminster. But it wasn't the first or last time that MPs would misbehave. Then you've got this long history of infractions by members of parliaments, usually one or two bad apples over the last 20 years or so. Many MPs returning from their long summer break on Monday will be wishing that they'd never been elected in the first place, as, it's reported in today's Times, up to a hundred of them will receive an auditor's letter asking them to repay expenses or provide proof that their claims were legitimate. Some, it's said, will have to hunt back tens of thousands of pounds. Probably the expenses scandal plays into this as well as a major factor in changing the culture in Parliament and changing the way that MPs look at their jobs. And then you've also had a few more recent cases as well. It's worth noting that this new system where you can have a recall petition if an MP is found guilty is relatively new. There have only been four or five recall petitions that have taken place over the last few years or so. So it's not a long history behind this exact circumstance. Surely you must accept government in trouble over this issue, not just of the specific decisions, but of character, of sleaze. I think, you know, what we've seen, it's a sort of, um, you know, Westminster storm in a teacup, if I may say so. Uh, yes, we made a mistake in bringing that forward in the way that we did. So we withdrew it. But um, the, the overall principle that you should have due process and a right of appeal in these uh, types of situations, I don't think anybody doubts. I mean, they are put there by the public. Do we know how much the public cares about things like this? I mean, is this cutting through? Certainly from speaking to MPs, they are getting an awful lot of emails about this from concerned constituents. I would say there are really two schools of thought in Westminster about whether this will cut through. The first one is that this will basically pass 
almost unnoticed because people fundamentally tend to think that politicians are all at it, that this is something that is priced in to <laughs> Trust is already so low. Exactly. And this tends to happen. It's a sort of dog bites man story, really. Oh, yes, of course they're doing that, people will think, and they'll just mm. go back to drinking their coffee and turn the page of the newspaper. We knew that already. That's one school of thought. The other school of thought is that there is nothing people hate more than hypocrisy and then the idea there's one rule for them and one rule for everyone else. So you look at the Dominic Cummings Barnard Castle scandal, for example, that was huge because it seemed to indicate to people that the elites have one rule and the mm. rest of us have another. And if this story becomes about that then I think people will really start to care about it an awful lot. Last night, MPs held an emergency debate on standards in Parliament. So is that it now? Does the issue go away? I think there's a real sense that this issue is not yet buried. You saw the debate was very heated with MPs really expressing themselves strongly about what has happened over the last weeks or so. I would like first and foremost to express my regret and that of my ministerial colleagues, over the mistake made last week. We recognise that there are concerns across the House over the standards system. He led his party through the sewers, and the stench lingers. This week, he had the chance to clean up, to apologise to the country, and finally accept that the rules apply to him and his friends. But instead of stepping up, he's hidden away. Instead of clearing up his mess, he's left his side knee-deep in it. If the team captain gets it wrong, then I think he should come and apologise to the public and to this House. That's the right thing to do uh, in terms of demonstrating leadership. And if you look particularly within the Conservative Party itself, there are real tensions that have been exposed by this debacle. You've seen a lot of MPs forced to vote in a way that they didn't want to, only to see a U-turn very quickly, which really has undermined the authority of the Chief Whip and his team. Add to that the fact as well that there was one MP who lost their parliamentary private secretary job for voting against the government or abstaining when the government wanted her to vote for it, and then immediately got the job back. Lots of MPs are now thinking, hang on a minute, why should I bother voting for things that I think might end up U-turning in the next 24 hours or so? So that's certainly a challenge on the Conservative side. And then as well, there's a big challenge for Labour. How do they push on this? How do they capitalise this? And Keir Starmer really has so far struggled to make hay on this issue. He's really struggled to push through his agenda. We don't really know quite what that agenda is yet. He said that he wants some reforms to take place, but we're still waiting for the major detail on what that may be. And Charlotte, just as in the 1990s with all the slea scandals that broke then, it became a bit of a turning point and we saw new rules being introduced afterwards. Could this be as significant? Could we see permanent changes to the rules on, you know, for example, second jobs? Well, we are expecting to see some form of review from the Speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, and we're waiting for more details on that. In terms of the potential for long-term consequences, I think we could see a bit more activity around MPs' second jobs, but there are real challenges associated with that. For example, MPs who are doctors and lawyers, they need to keep up a little bit of work in order to keep their licences, so banning jobs outright wouldn't be a possibility. And then you have the question of jobs such as David Lammy, for example, 
example, presenting on the radio station LBC or MPs getting paid to write articles in newspapers. Those feel a little bit adjacent to the type of work that they are doing as members of parliament. So we could see some sort of restrictions put in place on jobs that directly relate to lobbying in some way, although there are some restrictions on that already. I'm slightly sceptical that we are going to see major reforms here. All through this last year, you've had similar looking controversies and threats that there may be changes to the rules on lobbying. And to be honest, we haven't seen those rules tightened up particularly. Remember after Greensill, there was a lot of talk that that might happen and we just didn't see it. And I think there just isn't quite yet the political imperative on the government and on Parliament to make that happen. Thanks for listening to the first part of our look at the return of what's being billed as Tory sleaze. Join us tomorrow as we turn our attention to the House of Lords. The Sunday Times Insight team has been at it again. One ex-minister said that it's become institutionalised, that the Conservative Party treasurer is popped into the House of Lords, as, as he put it. And he said that the research that um, we've done about the donation patterns was particularly damning and showed how transactional the system had become. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Times Radio political correspondent Charlotte Ivers and The Sunday Times Insight editor Jonathan Calvert. You can read Insight's latest investigation at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription, and you can hear Charlotte most days on Times Radio. The producers today were Edward Drummond, Asia Fuchs and James Shield. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do drop us a line to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.